This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Insulate, makers of the Omnipod, and Dexcom, makers of the G5 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You can learn more about Dexcom at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And you can find out more about Arden's insulin pump at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Okay, this is episode 121 of the Juice Box Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, I'm going to speak with Kelly, and she and I are going to talk all about insulin. Initially, Kelly wanted to come on to talk about basal rates and temp basal rates, but the conversation just blew up from there. I'm telling you, this episode is crazy informative, genuinely helpful. I think you're going to love it. I think it's going to have a big part to do in how you handle your blood sugars every day. Listen, here's the one thing though. This episode was recorded like six months ago. So you may, you know, if you listen every week, you may hear me say things that seem a little out of, I don't know, you know what I mean, out, out of order. But trust me, it's not in any way gonna uh, mess you up as far as the podcast goes. Kelly's great. She's the mom of a kid with type 1 diabetes. You're gonna love her. You're gonna remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medic or otherwise. This is going to be one that you share. You're going to tell a friend about this one. I guarantee it. My name is Kelly, and um, I have a type 1 diabetic daughter who is almost 12 and was diagnosed uh, May of 2015. 2015, May, hmm, a year and a half about? About a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. So... You confuse me when you talk to me sometimes through text because you mention your daughter, but then I sometimes you say your granddaughter. <laughs> and no, I have a grandson. A grandson, excuse me. And then I see you in an image the other day, and you so don't look like you're old enough to have a grandson. And so do you just what do you do? You just collect people along the as you're driving down the road. Yeah. You take take them in, or what, what's the deal? <laughs> as my husband says, we had kids when we were twelve, so oh. we started early. <laughs> no, I'm forty three. Okay. That makes my sense. grandson is, he was actually born a month after my daughter was diagnosed. So he's about 18 months old. Oh, no kidding. Wow. That's odd circumstances. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, there, wow. See, that's interesting to know because you have a very un, I don't know what to call it exactly. It's not an average situation, right? So, so right. you, so you, your daughter or son has a, um, a son. How did that end up working? My daughter, my oldest is, she'll be 24 on Saturday. Okay. So you're 24 year old as a, as a baby. As a baby. You're all like, yay, but your son has type one diabetes. Like, oh, and my my daughter, your daughter has, see, see Kelly, here's the funny thing. Let's go backwards (laughs) to go forwards for a second. You and I have set a record for the podcast. We have been trying to get you on for seven months. (laughs) It's been a long time. (laughs) We have scheduled and rescheduled. So I'm going to do my my feeble mind a favor, and I'm going to write down daughter. Daughter. (laughs) I have have two daughters. One's 24 and one is almost 12. All right. Now, I don't usually take notes, but this one's been (laughs) so long, I I genuinely have to to go back over again. And so anyway, so seven months ago, you reached out and you were talking about um, puberty. And, yeah. and type 1 diabetes. And we're like, oh, we're totally going to talk about that. And that was September in 2016. <laughs> yeah, we still don't have it figured out, so it's good. I, I was going to say, is your daughter a woman now? Maybe we don't have to talk about <laughs> it. It's been so long. <laughs> um, why don't you tell me a little bit about what happened and, and how it's been going? And trust me, I'm pretty much in the same situation. Arden is 12. She just turned 12. Uh, five months ago. So I think we're fairly, you know, in similar spots. So go ahead. A little bit of what happened with. Yeah. yeah. Well, how, how, how the question of puberty came up and around type one diabetes and, and, and what what led you to ask the, you know, her, her blood sugars just, I'm kind of noticing like a, and still noticing they have like a monthly pattern, not necessarily monthly, maybe more like six weeks Mm -hmm. where we go two weeks where she's, so high and can't get her down no matter what. And then two weeks where she runs really, really low and we won't even change anything during those times. And that's, um, and and I, that's not I started, some, I'm sorry. I was just, that's not something that's happened consistently. It just began at about what age? Um, it was, it was probably four or five months after she was diagnosed because she was 11. Mm-hmm. Or no, she was 10. She was 10. 
Okay. All right. So, all right. So, so you might say in the you know the onset maybe you were in a honeymoon period that that went away, but it doesn't make sense if it's continuing on two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, and and, and so it's pretty consistent. Like all the there's does it is there any indication or is it just suddenly you have to kind of dial back the insulin or dial it up? I still haven't been able to notice like a consistent pattern like. Some months it will happen, some months it won't. And we'll also have like two months that'll just, or two weeks that'll just be perfect. That's where I mean, it's kind of more like a six week cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not 100% consistent, but almost. Would you, if that makes any sense? Nothing makes sense because it's diabetes, so that's fine. But <laughs> right. it, it's so, I, I would ask you this like, as you're explaining it to me, I wonder, is it possible there's no real pattern to it, but you're, you're, you're inferring a pattern on it? Does that make sense? Um, I actually kept track for a little bit. The endocrinologist kind of had me keep track when right. I brought it up. And there was a, a pretty consistent pattern, but we would have like a random you know, week or two thrown in there where it was just chaos. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do in that situation? When, let's say you said sometimes things are perfect. So say you leave a, you know, a perfect, and by perfect, I'm assuming you mean you use insulin, it acts the way you expect it to, et cetera. Right. right. And then let's say it all of a sudden, it, everything seems low all the time. Like, how do you handle that? Give her a lot of juice boxes. <laughs> so do- I haven't dared to change anything just because I know that the lows won't last. So that's kind of why I reached out to you to try to figure out, do I make like a temporary basal program that lasts for two weeks and then another one for two weeks or do I just mess with it as it happens yeah I you know and it's funny I think as you're saying it I I know what you're getting at like it would be difficult to say well I'm definitely going to set up this temp basal rate for two weeks because I've seen that in the past and I think that's where maybe we all of us have at some point or another gotten hooked into the idea that there is a pattern to this and we can just say, Oh, okay, this two week low things happening now. So I'll just set up a basal rate for two weeks. I don't think that exists. I think that you could say, wow, we're in this kind of space where lows are happening. So I'm going to set some temporary basals up, even if they're just for the next six hours, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, like just to see if that does it. And if it does, and at the end of six hours, she starts going back down again, when the basal kicks back in, well then maybe I have to keep it going longer, but I think you're in a case by case situation. I don't know that you can, I don't see a way where you would be able to say, I'm absolutely going to set up a new basal rate for the next 14 days. That doesn't seem like, like it would be possible. doesn't seem logical. Well, at the very least, you don't have enough actual data to make that kind of decision. Like, you know, for the exact amount of time it's going to take, you know, like, you know, you're randomly saying 14 days. What if it's 15 days? What if it's 12 days? You you know, like, you know, so I mean, in my mind, so then it brings me to this thought, which is that some people are really uncomfortable making adjustments to their pump settings. And do you f- fall into that category or no? Um, I'm getting more comfortable. I, I'm uncomfortable making any drastic changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to just completely forget that I can do a temporary basal at all or, you know, or stop a basal or you don't I'm think not real it, good at that. Right. Well, it doesn't occur to you immediately. No, I forget completely. I understand. So, um, do you have a? Are you guys using any kind of a glucose monitor? Yep, she has a Dexcom and she wears the Omnipod. Okay, all right. So, okay, I think that, and if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, I think that basil's more important than we have given it credit for historically. Not that some people don't understand it, but I think that widely spoken about in public, not a lot of people talk about. Hey, your blood sugar is 120, but I'm afraid to bolus because I think I'm going to get low. Why don't I just up my basal a little bit and see if we can bump it around a little bit? I don't think that gets spoken about a lot. And I repeat myself a lot here when I say that when I, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when I interviewed people about their artificial pancreas and they started talking about how their artificial pancreas makes more adjustments through basal insulin than it does through bolus insulin, that was just like a, that was a watershed moment for me. Like that turned a big bright light on in my face. And I was like, wow, why am I not being even more so active with that. And then it, then you start thinking about your body in, in general, right? Like there's no way, you know, I don't have diabetes. There's no way that the amount of, you know, insulin my pancreas gives off moment to moment all day long is exactly the same every day at the same exact times. 
And so we've set up sort of this man-made situation where we said, look, we don't know how to let, you know, I don't know how to fluctuate this. I'm not a pancreas. I'm not getting signals from my body that says a little more, a little less. So we've picked an idea that, okay, we'll just put in this much at eight o'clock and this much at 10 o'clock and that's going to be enough. But it really is just the beginning, you, you know? So from there, I think you, you need to train yourself a little bit to think about the basal insulin a little more, which I'm sure you can do with no problem. And then from there, I think it's just a matter of how much time and effort you can give to it because, you know, you could spend your rest of your life moment to moment being your daughter's pancreas. I don't think that's reasonable. Um, but there are moments, you know what I mean? Like there are moments when you could more aggressively use basal insulin to, to make differences and changes. Does that feel logical to you? It does. It does. I, and I will remember like two hours later and think, oh. I should have done a temp basil, but we're, we're getting better slowly. <laughs> of course you are. And, and I will tell you this too. I hope this makes you feel better. It didn't, it's not like I flipped some switch on and started doing it. I forget sometimes and I, I don't, it doesn't occur to me at other times. And there's just like you, there's, you know, you, you, you look up 90 minutes later and you're almost like, why did I not think to do that? You know, right. like it would have been such a simple thing to do right here. And that, the, the answer to that is, is you're not a organ, you're a person, you, you, you know I mean? It's, it's 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 fine but at the same time if you can make it part of your you know your day i think it really does have a really grand effect on on blood sugars and and stopping like grand fluctuations and i just used grand twice in two sentences after not using the word for 10 years so um (laughs) which was kind of odd um and so what, you know, I guess let's, let's ask this, like, what do you think, is it just life that gets in the way? Like, why, why don't you think of it? Yeah, life. I think I'm busy. Yeah. So I just don't, I mean, she's my youngest of five children and I've got the grandchild that I babysit all the time and I'm running around all the time and it's a lot. doesn't ever occur to me yeah. and I'm tired. I'm a tired diabetes mom. <laughs> I'm exhausted as well, <laughs> as is everyone listening. Um, no, I mean, listen, that makes sense. So maybe do this. Maybe say, I don't know, maybe maybe kind of resolve yourself to start slowly. Like definitely think about it for meals. You, you know what I mean? And maybe you start, mm-hmm. with, start with dinner and, and breakfast or something or, or something that you can, you know, something you can get ahead of. And when it doesn't work out, like don't beat yourself up over it. You know, I try to get up. And and look at Arden's blood sugar an hour before she wakes up, because so I, do I. Yeah, right? Because you figure if she's you know if she's one fifty and I mean her for her to be eighty, I could get her to eighty in an hour. If she's right. 80, you know if she's sixty and I want her to be more like ninety, I could probably cut her basal back or give her three quick sips of juice and bang her up a couple of points and have her good waking up in an hour. Right. That doesn't always happen. You know, there are times that I wake up like everybody else going, what time is it? What time? What, what is it? <laughs> you know, and, and that, that, that happens. Um, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel badly about it. I definitely wouldn't beat yourself up about it. I don't think there's a failing in any of this. I just think it's, I think you got to pick a spot where it's most valuable and start there and then see if it doesn't become part of just the natural way of how you think about things until one day temp, right. temp basils are like walking and you, you're doing it. You don't realize you're yeah. doing it. We're really good at doing a temp basil for uh, soccer and track. So I've got that down. Okay. How do you do that? Tell me about it. Um, for her soccer practices, uh, she tends to drop. So um, we we temp basil her insulin off about 45 minutes before her soccer practice. Mm-hmm. And then I turn it back on when she goes and she's usually okay. Uh, for a soccer game, her blood sugar goes through the roof. So I actually give her about 50% more starting about 20 minutes before her game yeah. and about a half an hour into her game. And it doesn't always work, but we're still working on that one. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that a temp basil to control what you think is going to be a spike, mm-hmm. I would probably start sooner than 20 minutes. Than 20 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of insulin you're using. To no- uh, Novolog. Novolog? Yep. Okay. So, you know, do you have a feeling for how long that insulin begins to work in her? Like when you set a temp basal at home, say she's, I don't know, say her blood sugar is 150 and you don't want to bolus and you set a temp basal, how soon do you start seeing that? The, does the Dexcom tell you she starts dropping? Oh, you, you know, it depends on the time of day. In the right. morning, it takes forever. Okay. Well, so then if it depends, then if soccer 
is is a specific <clears throat> example, then 20 minutes so far pro- hasn't been enough. I would start, you know, some people would tell you an hour. It, an hour before? It, I've heard, pe- you know, some people do an hour, some people do 30 minutes, and you'll trial and error, obviously. Yeah. And, um, hey, you know what, Kelly, let's do it right here. <clears throat> Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. Now we keep going. Um, and That's so, my favorite part. It, it, it's got and basal snoring. That's pretty much most of the emails. I love hearing the dog snore. And <laughs> it makes me feel like I should just put a microphone on the dog snoring and start a different <laughs> podcast. So, um, but, but nevertheless, like, you know, you can oh, – hold on a second. You want to do Arden's pre-lunch bolus with me? Um, hi. So it's, t- it's lunch for you, and we just ate breakfast. <laughs> the time zones. So Arden had a really strange day. She got up in the morning, and we had to change her insulin pump, and she kind of hung out here for an hour doing, I mean, I'm not embarrassed. She was doing homework that she just couldn't get to last night. And so it was a good time to change her pump. She had a big bowl of cereal this morning and everything. And so her blood sugar is good right now. She's about at 100, but she has gym right before lunch at school. So um, so, so anyway, so she loses her signal in the last like eight minutes of gym. So I can see it up until about eight minutes ago, but I'm a little concerned. Like I want her to test here and then I'm going to say test and she's going to say, dad, I'm trying to get back to gym. Something like that. Let's see what she actually says. I said test. This is going to be fun. Let's see how close I am to the truth. Um, but you know, she got a significant amount of insulin this morning for the cereal and during uh, for a pod because we ate cereal after a pod change. So I was extremely aggressive, you, you know, there and and so far so good. Like I said, she hasn't gone over well since we did the pod change. She hasn't been over about one twenty. Wow. You find when you change the pod, you need to use more insulin. Is that why you're saying you're aggressive? I say that, yeah, I say that when you, not just an, not just an Omnipod, by the way, but when you change an insulin pump, you stop the insulin for a while. Like even I'm going to go back at some point and say to you, when you temp the insulin down for soccer and you're, mm-hmm. you're shutting it completely off, I would love to see you shut it mostly off, but let a little bit run. Oh, she actually did test. Look at this without an argument. Oh, you know, awesome. you know why I think we got her tickets to something she wants to do. So she's like, <laughs> on like super good behavior right now. Um, now we're gonna bolus ten units and extend. And I'm gonna put in. Let's see. I'm gonna put in. Oh, I'm sorry. Her blood sugar was 165. So it is go. It has gone up since she got to school. So we're gonna bolus ten units. And I'm going to do 50% of it now and the other 50% over a half an hour because she won't actually get to lunch for 15 minutes. I'm always so impressed with how you do this. No, no, no. You just, I'm, I'm, uh, let me tell you a secret. Everyone listening should know I'm almost an idiot. This is just the one thing I figured out. So (laughs) otherwise I bump into walls and trip over my own feet and things like that. Um, I'm going to ask her to text me from lunch, but she won't do it. <laughs> See, and this is the other thing as I listen to you do this all the time, mm-hmm. since my daughter's close to the same age and she's got her cell phone, but she ignores me. Is she it an iPhone? She has an iPhone. She find, doesn't. Find my phone sends the most piercing, I, yes, irritating signal and children do not like to have that go off in <laughs> school. It sets them right really quickly. I, I send that to my 18 year old son all the time. <laughs> It really embarrasses the hell out of him, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's, she's at school. She's more. She's okay with people knowing she's diabetic. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. She doesn't need to hide it, but she doesn't want to be interrupted. So we're yeah. still working on that. And I, I've actually had her listen to little sections of your podcast and go, "See, listen, his daughter's the same age, and she stopped, and she did what her dad said." Yeah. Well, two days ago, I spent the entire day sending "find your iPhone" signals to her, and she's like, "I'm not getting my text," and she wasn't. I don't think like uh, the delivered signal wasn't coming because the school has some pretty bad spots uh, uh-huh. for for cell coverage. But there are times when I get the the all caps "what" back when I'm I'm like, "Hey, how are you?" And she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Jeez." I'm already married. I don't need you yelling at me, too. It's time to spend a couple of minutes with the wonderful folks who support the Juicebox podcast by buying these advertisements. So don't skip through them. 
Cut these guys a break, huh? They're footing the bill. First up, Omnipod. Can't say enough. Loving it right now more than ever. You're actually going to hear me tell a story at some point today in this in this episode about how Arden's kind of wavering about her softball love, but that was six months ago. Right now, she is in the middle of playing for the New Jersey State Championship in Little League for the 12-year-olds. They're trying to get to the Little League World Series. It's very exciting. It's very hot. Long days. Doesn't matter. Omnipod is right there with her. On her belly, on her thigh. She wears it everywhere. And it is not in her way while she's whipping the ball around the field. And it's constantly delivering insulin no matter what. We can temp basil down. We can temp basil up. We can bolus while she's playing. This thing is a lifesaver. And it's out of her way. I can't tell you how important it is to be able to leave your insulin pump on while you're involved in a sport. It is super, super, super important. If you want to learn more about Omnipod, and I genuinely think you should, they're going to offer you a free, no obligation demo pod. All you have to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You put in a tiny bit of information. The next thing you know, the demo pod is going to be arriving at your door. And then you're going to be like, huh, Scott was right about this thing. It is magnificent. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. My daughter Arden is 12 years old. Actually, she's going to be 13 next week, and she never sits still. Between school and playing right now in the Little League World Series tournaments, trying to get to the Little League World Series, she is running around with her friends when she's not doing that. (sighs) The kid is out of her mind everywhere. She's always doing something. But even with her busy schedule, keeping track of her glucose levels could not be simpler. The Dexcom share and follow features allow us to be alerted whenever Arden's blood glucose levels leave the range that we set. That sense of calm and fantastic blood glucose control that Dexcom CGM helps bring into our lives is absolutely invaluable. So please don't wait. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box or click on the links in your show notes to find out more. I cannot say enough about Dexcom. It is crazy how helpful it is. Let's go over this one more time. Softball, school, hanging with our friends, Moving, 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 busy, busy, busy. Keeps track for glucose levels, no matter what. So when you're finished listening to the podcast, please go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more about the Dexcom CGM. And then after you do that, go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to get your free no obligation demo pod. My gosh, a lot of good stuff coming out of this podcast, including my conversation with Kelly, which is going to resume right after this snappy music ends. Back to soccer. I think you could do a longer one because, you know, in case anybody hasn't heard us talk about it before, what you're expressing by when my daughter goes to soccer practice, her blood sugar falls. When my daughter goes to a soccer game, her blood sugar rises might not make sense to some people, but it's adrenaline. It's adrenaline. And for some people, especially like, I don't know if you would describe your daughter as, you know, competitive, but right. So when she's at practice, she's not trying to win. She's practicing. So it's very anaerobic and her blood sugar is falling. When she goes to play a game, it's still anaerobic, but she's also trying to kill something, which, you know, puts her fight or flight in and the adrenaline pops up and adrenaline needs insulin. And so the big, excuse me, the biggest problem with bolusing adrenaline is, is the minute the adrenaline leaves, the need for the insulin is gone almost instantly. So I've had experiences with Arden where she's competing in something and we're bolusing like a significant amount before a game, like bolusing, not just basiling. And it holds your blood sugar at bay. It holds it at bay. It holds it at bay. The game stops and we need carbs. Immediately. Yeah. Really soon afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you can hear that and see, say, say that that sounds like it's not a good plan, but it works. You just have to pay attention to it. You can't end the game and then just forget. You know, you have to say, okay, now I'm going to be watching. the. And again, 
having a glucose monitor, you know, this, that having a Dexcom makes all this much simpler because then you can be aggressive at the adrenaline, keep a blood sugar closer to where you want it. And then when the fall starts happening, you can add a couple of carbs to catch it without overcompensating and, and et cetera. But, um, but the other side of it is when you're talking about the lows for practice, I would say this, if you can find a way to do a temp, a decreased temp basal that doesn't completely eliminate the insulin for practice, Mm-hmm. In my mind, that's better because your and my body always has insulin happening. And right. so, and so you, you, you know, if it works, it works and don't get me wrong. I've cut Arden's insulin at times. Sometimes I've made big boluses and I, I thought, wow, that's way too much. And I'll shut her basal off for an hour to compensate for it. But if she's just out exercising and her bot and her muscles are going and, and everything, she needs a little insulin. So maybe instead of an, I don't when do you send the offs before practice? How far before? I, I kind of base it on where her blood sugar is at the time. Oh, of course. Because her soccer practice is, um, it's a horrible time of day. It's at dinner time. Mm-hmm. So she usually has a pretty good snack before and then she'll eat dinner after. So it, it just kind of depends on where her blood sugar is. Sometimes I just set it off 50%. That's beautiful. You know, if she's already running kind of high. But I typically try to do 30 minutes to an hour before practice. But then we turn um, it on her basil is back on while she's practicing. Oh, I see. So you sort of, <clears throat> you sort of restrict the insulin to cause an upswing in her blood sugar mm-hmm. and then put it back on to catch the upswing and hold her there through practice. See, and what do you say? You, 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 you watch me do it and you're in awe. You're, you're, that was way better than what I said. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, we have that one down. Practice, practice is pretty good. It's the games that we struggle with. So that's amazing. So don't listen to me, first of all. That's just, you know, and, and I would say, so, so what you know about how you handle practice, I think you just need to reverse engineer for other times, right? Yeah. Like, and you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and so I think the biggest impediment for any of us is believing that what we think is going to happen is going to happen. Right? Like how many times have you not bolused and then an hour later thought, I knew this was going to happen? You, you, you know what I mean? It hap- it, it's constantly, it's like, I knew this was going to go up. How did I not do something? And that's a, you know, I think that's a, a hurdle to get past is to start right. trusting yourself and believing that what you're seeing and what you've seen traditionally is probably going to happen again. And then lean on the technology a little bit if it doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. With, with your daughter's um, game, my daughter plays competitive soccer. So the trick that comes with the soccer game is, is they practice for 45 minutes before the game starts. And sometimes she will drop during that 45 minute practice. So that's why I waited to, you know, give her the insulin yeah. that I know the adrenaline spike will cause. So that's where we have the, you have a big gap right there. Yeah. yeah. It's the trick. The tricky part is that 45 minute warm up. I, I was doing, giving her the, the temp basil, to um, make up for the adrenaline in the game, but she was dropping because of that practice beforehand. Sometimes. What's your Not goal? Always. What's your goal for blood sugar while she's playing? Like, what do you? What, if it was, if it was right where you wanted it to be, and you weren't afraid of it rising or falling, where would you want it? You know what? She plays the very best when she's like ninety to one twenty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay if she's one fifty to one eighty, but she plays beautifully when she's ninety to one twenty. Yeah, you can see her body working better and. Like running and like this, yeah. yeah, all that seems smoother. And doesn't get tired. She she plays defense, so she never comes out. She plays the entire game. Right. So. Well, that's that's um, difficult. I mean, listen, Arden plays softball, and that's not the same. You know, it's the softball is more about the heat and the um, the the amount of hours that go into it. Sometimes they play, right. you know, a, a good portion of a very hot day. And it's funny that we're sort of talking about puberty and that the sports are coming up too because <laughs> because in my house very recently, I've been hearing the, I don't know if I like playing softball, like chance a little bit. Oh, wow. And so she really is changing. Like Arden is uh, is uh, is turning into a lady. And so, um, you know, I think that it's possible that a lot of the things in her life are going to change, not just physiological stuff, but you know, where she, where her likes and dislikes stayed. And she, you know, she was telling me, she's like, I love playing softball, but, and then she started saying, I don't like going to all these wintertime practices. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, 
you know, it's this conversation about, you know, when people, I mean, sometimes I think people hear, you know, you or I or other people say like, oh, my kid plays a competitive sport. And they're probably like, my kid plays a sport and it's competitive. And what you mean, it's not recreational, right? It's, it's, right. it's more intense or more time can, you know, consuming or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Soccer not- is two to three times a week, 12 months out of the year. We do not get a break. And yeah. in between there, she plays basketball and she runs track. She's right. very athletic, loves her sport. Yeah. And it's funny because it's exactly how I would have described Arden four months ago. Like she loves it. It it's I you never have to ask her to go. She's always excited to be there. She's happy while she's there. She loves playing. And now it's she loves playing, but I think she wishes she could show up at the field five seconds before the game starts, warm up and play. Like I yeah. don't and, and you know, it's not that she thinks she's special or she's great and she certainly isn't and and um I think it's just that her her you know, her interests are are, are fragmenting. And, and so I do wonder if puberty, how much puberty doesn't have to an effect on that, you you know? And so, uh, but, but, but to her blood sugars in puberty, it it really is back and forth. I think we're very close to, um, you know, a time where we, that I've been, I'm hoping not to, uh, ever see, uh, I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think that's, (laughs) I think that's coming. Uh, and I just mean it for blood sugars, not for anything else, but, um, you know, I think it's coming and so far, you know, as I see her growing and developing and she has out of nowhere required much more insulin, you know, for days at a time and, Mm -hmm. you know, in a significant amount more than I've ever been accustomed to giving her in the past. And what I can say is this, is that whether there was one growth period where I think we went into an endo appointment in the end of September and then we went back maybe it was the beginning of October, more like mid October, because when we went back, it was in January. And in that period of time, Thanksgiving happened, Christmas happened, and Arden grew an inch and a half in 90 days. And I kept her A1C at like 6.1. I mean, I'm telling you that when I got there, I sat down, I looked that endo straight in the face and I said, Oh, not the endo. We never get to see the endo, the nurse practitioner. Um, and I looked her straight in the face. I assume Arden has an endocrinologist. I looked the nurse practitioner straight in the face and I was like, this is it. Her A1C is going up. And I started telling her about besides all the holiday stuff and the running around and being less focused on, you know, bolusing and basiling and things like that. I said, Arden has been growing like crazy and her insulin needs are insane. And I think I figured out what to do too late. I told her, excuse me, I'll take a drink. I said, I think I figured it out too late. I think I have it now, but I figured it out too late. And she's like, well, what do you mean? What are you doing? And I was like, I am just being ultra aggressive with, with the insulin. Like, you know, I said, if, if the diabetes is aggressive with me, I'm, I'm twice as aggressive back with it. I'm just not accepting Arise! I'm not accepting uh, a, a blood sugar that's high and sits there. I'm, and that's when I started really thinking about the idea of it being simpler to stop a low than it is to affect a high. And like that's when that all kind of hit me. And then she got her A1C back, and it was the same. It was six one. Oh, nice. And and then and she she was just like, I can't believe that through a growth spurt over a holiday, you kept her A1C where it was. And we just had that same situation last week. And but ours did not turn out as lovely. Well, but you're also 18 months into it. When I was 18 months into it, <laughs> let me paint a picture for you. And this is for the person who texted me the other day or sent me a message the other day and said that sometimes the podcast makes them feel bad. So yeah. let, me, let me be very clear about how perfect I'm not. 18 months into diabetes, I got Arden's A1C to move from like 9.1 to 8.9. That effort caused me to embrace the nurse practitioner in the lobby of the office and cry. <laughs> so <laughs> that seemed, that was such an, I was like, I did it. It moved. And then I felt like I wasn't killing her. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, it's all, I've been a stay at home dad now for 17 years. It, it is, it is always me and a bunch of ladies wherever I am during the day, you know? Right. And so there I'm in the lobby and my nurse practitioner's like, do you want a hug? And I'm like, I think so. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and so there have been plenty of times. I mean, I want, if you're comfortable telling me what it didn't turn out, not so great means to you. I think the picture I'd like to paint if I'm, if I'm right is, is that you're probably 
literally years and years and years ahead of where I was at 18 months. So what happened? You know, it, well, it was actually better than I expected, but it did move. Um, our, our scenario was we went on a cruise right after Thanksgiving and her blood sugars were, I mean, we had probably a 24 hour period where we were fighting 300 on that cruise. And I still don't know why Right. we were aggressive with the insulin, but it just would not move. And yeah. the whole cruise was kind of like that, even when we got off the boat and exercised. Um, and then we had Christmas and she in Utah, where we're from, I don't know if this happens everywhere, but we have year round school. So they go to school for nine weeks and then they're home for three. Okay. So it's kind of like a summer and you know how their blood sugars are different during mm-hmm, the summer. Mm-hmm. So she's also off track and she's home. So we've got high blood sugars there and then we got, you know, candy from Christmas and all that. Anyway, she went from a 6.4 to a 7.1. So it wasn't bad, but I was expecting like a nine. So I was happy. Thought it was going to be 23. You're like, that's it. It's over. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so- we, we accepted 7.1. Um, 7.1 is still great. It's a lovely but, thing. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. it did go up. I, I think that when, I hope people don't misunderstand. I'm sure that some do and some don't. But when I say that Arden's A1C has been between 5.8 and like 6.2 for three years, that the number's not important to me. It's the consistency that I right. think is important. Right. 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 Like, so because... Like I've said it before, like, you know, I tell people, like, if you have a CGM, please don't set the high threshold line too high because, you know, then you're up and down and there's too much variability. You can't react quick enough to stop the variability. And, and, and so when I say that her blood, her A1C is in this space, my, my point is, is that once you get it wherever it is, you can keep it there. You know, like when her blood, when her A1C was nine, I had no trouble keeping it at nine. Whatever I was doing was keeping it around nine. When I got it to eight, whatever I was doing, I kept it at eight. When I got it to seven, whatever I was doing, kept it there. And now that it's down to where it is, whatever I'm doing is keeping it there. And so it's a bigger idea and at the same time a very simple thought. Like, you know, wherever you are, once you figure out how to stop the variability, the up and down, you can stay in that space. And, even and that you- is what we're still struggling with, and I'm blaming it on puberty. But maybe I shouldn't be. Okay. So because that's the name of this we'll episode. A, it's not puberty's fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is. It, um, it's got to be somebody's fault, damn it, Kelly. <laughs> not exactly, and it's not mine. <laughs> Story of my life right there. Um, no, so, you know, we'll have a great blood sugar. We are going from, typically we go from a six, and then three months later we're in the eights, and then we go back to the sixes and the eights. So I was happy that we were just at a seven. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think it's, Part of it's that I don't dare to make the big changes, and I don't. That two weeks that I see those crazy highs, I'm scared to give her too much insulin. I'll give her, you know, I'll give her more, but I'm afraid to give her too much. Okay, so then that's where I would say to you, not to oversimplify something that's so complicated, but you do have to start with this simple notion: if your blood sugar is too low, you have too much insulin, or you've mistimed it, and if your blood sugar is too high, you have too little insulin, or you have mistimed it. It pretty much, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. If your pump falls off, your blood sugar is high because you're not getting it. Right. But, right. But, but within the, in the, in the concepts of this idea, when she's high, she needs more. It doesn't matter why. Like, you know, I, I, I watched this. I'm going to click on something. I'm sorry for clicking while we're talking because I, I want to I get something that I posted online and, and tell, to, like, directly talk about it. But, um, but I, I saw someone speaking one time and they're like, I don't understand why my daughter's blood sugar is high. And she's talking and talking and talking about it. And I finally got on and said, it doesn't matter why. (laughs) Figure that out later. Like, I know you don't want it to happen again, but in the moment, it's too high. There's not enough insulin. Whatever the reason is, is unimportant. And at this moment, like, you know, we'd like to know, you know, for the future so we can stop it from happening again. And I think you're in that situation. You get into a high, sustained high blood sugar and you, you don't want, uh, it sounds to me like you don't want to do the wrong thing and have it go the, the opposite way too far. But to that I say, start with half. You know what I mean? If you're already doing half, do a little more. Like mix a temp basal increase with a bolus. I find that uh, can sometimes be a valuable way to move a high blood sugar. Yeah, yeah, I gotta start using those temp basils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because because think about it, right? Like so, say like the the point we made earlier in the podcast, which is let's say that you need a half a unit as your basal insulin an hour at three o'clock in the afternoon, 
It's always like that. But all of a sudden, your blood sugar is really high, but you haven't eaten anything. Well, you needed more basal insulin then. So now you've got this high number, you're bolusing at it, but you haven't addressed the basal. So now the bolus is just making up for the basal. It's not affecting the high blood sugar. That I know makes sense to you. You and I have been talking long enough now. You know more about this than you're giving yourself credit for. I can tell. And oh, that's good. So, yeah, yeah. And so I would end up telling you, though I don't give advice on the podcast, if I was going to give you advice, I would say something to you after talking to you for 37 minutes and 48 seconds. I would tell you something that I end up telling most people, even when I speak to them privately. You really should trust yourself more. Just trust your gut a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that. And, and if I told you that that ends up being the thing that I say to more people and it ends up being probably the best advice they ever get, it's just at some point when you're seeing something that doesn't make sense and either what you've been told or what you're scared into believing or what your doctor has said is conflicting with, with the common sense of what you're seeing in the moment, you need to trust yourself at that moment. I, I, I like sincerely believe that. And when you have a Dexcom CGM, you can you can be a little more risky, right? Like because you've got a little bit of backup. You can always and even if you didn't have a CGM, you could test more. You could there's things you could do. You don't have to sit and stare at a three hundred. Um what do you think of that? You think you could do that? I know I can do that, yeah. Kelly, you had a baby when you were ten. You could definitely do that. <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> so. that's so funny. I'm from Utah. What can I say? <laughs> So let's digress for one second. I'm from Utah. What can I say? So did a boy just walk up to you and go, hey, you, let's do it? And you were like, right, let's let's get married and have a kid. No. 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 You know, they, they just say those, you know, us people in Utah get married young. Yeah. Well, I guess. It's, is it the mountains? What is it? What does it exactly, do you think? I don't know what does it. It could be the thin air. So, um, okay. So I posted something online. I'm going to go back maybe a week or so ago. And I totally put it up because I just, I hope people feel more emboldened, right? And so it is the 14-day, um, I don't know if you use the little mobile clarity app for Dexcom, but I love that little app. Like you open up the app. I'll do it right now. Let's, let's By app, you mean on your computer or on, on your phone? phone? On my phone. It's this little app. It's called, it's the Dexcom clarity, but it's the, it's the small kind of like, it's not the one for your computer. It's a companion app. And when you I had no idea it existed. All right. I'll put a link in the show notes. So you click okay. on it and you say, I want to view my data view PDF. And it creates a PDF file of the last 14 days of your blood sugars. And it gives you some information, right? Okay, yeah. And so when I, I just, I just generated a new one, but the one I put online was from the December 22nd to January 4th, 2016 to 2017. And Arden's estimated A1C in the app was 5.8. Her average glucose was 119. Uh, gives standard deviation. How many times I calibrated during, the, you know, uh, uh, on average, the percentage amount of time she stayed in range and high. She was high 13.1% of the time. She was in range 74.7% of the time. She was low 12.2% of the time. Uh, it considers low anything under, I think, 70 because that's where I set it. Mm -hmm. And so I put this thing up and I said, Look, I think you just need to remember a few things. Be bold with insulin. Bump and nudge blood sugars pre-bolus. And then I added something that I just think is a new part of my mantra for me about diabetes. And, and in the end, what I said was, I think diabetes is understanding the limitations of man-made insulin. Like, I, I, I think it might be more that than anything else as I consider it. So if I don't understand what insulin will and won't do, then there's no real way for me to use it effectively. And, and that's a bigger idea, but you get that information back every day when you're using it. I did this and this happened. I did this and nothing happened. You know, like, like I, I bolus now, but her blood sugar didn't start moving for 25 minutes. And even though it seems like there's this endless, endless, you know, um, deluge of, of, of ideas that can change why things are happening, you know, um, different inputs that, that ruin, you know, what you think is going to happen. I think in the end, after you've done it enough times, it really does begin to make sense. You know, it, at five o'clock in the afternoon, it's different than it is at eight o'clock in the morning than it is at two o'clock in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. But you do it enough times and you just know, 
you know, I walked into her room last night and her, you know, she had a tough time doing her homework before she went to bed and she was upset and her blood sugar started going up. And even though she was falling asleep, I was aggressive with it. I stopped the arrow from going up I, and I leveled off her blood sugar. And, and, you know, I got her back to like, uh, I think it was 101 last night. It sat overnight at 101 for a while. About an hour and a half before she got up, it started going up again. And I thought, I think this pump's done. You know, you know, like I think the infusion set's done. And that's something mm-hmm. to remember, right? That if you go all the way back to, I never talk about this, but I mean to. I had Aaron Kowalski on from the JDRF long time ago. And in the middle of a very long conversation at some point, he makes this uh, he 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 makes a point to say that the cannulas aren't what they need to be. And he was talking about the industry in general. We need more um research to make better cannulas because that's where so many problems come from. And I was like, wow, it is. Right? You stick this cannula in from from your pump and at some point, you know, we call them fancy. We say they get occluded, or you know, or or, or whatever ends up happening. The, the the your insulin will crystallize inside the tube and block the flow. Whatever the reasoning is, at some point that cannula stops being as effective of a delivery system as you know as it was the minute you put it in, which is true across the board for every insulin pump. And so. When I see Arden's blood sugar starting to go up for literally no reason that I can tell and her pump site's going to expire in nine hours or eight hours or seven hours, I start thinking, maybe it's that. And I'll give a big bolus. And if it doesn't move the way I think it's supposed to, boom, we're changing the pump. That's it. Like, don't mess around. But it took me years to get to that point. You know what I mean? Like, it just... It's not something I figured out overnight. You don't yank insulin pumps off like willy-nilly, you know, in your first 18 months. Right. They cost too much money. They cost money. And there's insulin in them and blah, blah, blah. And exactly. I don't want to poke my kid anymore than I have to and all the right. other reasons that go into it. But eventually you'll get to this calm place where you're like, look, the insulin pump costs money. But if I have to use three extra ones this month or three extra infusion sets this month to avoid a day and a half of high blood sugars, then what's, what's the point? Of course, I'm going to do that. You, you know, Completely and, worth it. Right, right. And so, and so that's it right there. I, I mean, I'm going to sit and talk in an episode coming up soon about that idea. But in the end, we have to understand the limitations of what we're using, whether it's the limitation of the cannula or if it's the limitation of your insulin. But I think the biggest point of this right now that I've hit on is it's, it's, it's the limitation of the insulin. Like if you don't understand how it works, then you're not using it as effectively as you could be. And so, right. and you ha- and that's a trust your gut situation. You have, to, right. you have to look at what you know and believe it's going to happen again. And that's why I'm, I'm still trying hard to get there with that. But I think I just always, you, you defaulted to, Oh, we must need to change the pump. And I default to, it must be puberty, right. puberty. <laughs> Puberty's doing this because we see those random rises that just don't make any sense to me. And I think, is that puberty? Do I need to change this basil every day? Do I need to be taking notes Mm -hmm. every day? And so going back to what I said before, in that moment, short term, I think the answer needs to be doesn't matter why it's happening. Doesn't matter. Just fix it. There's not enough insulin. Right, and if there's not enough insulin because she requires more basil because of the time of day, or because of the food you ate, or because of the activity she's doing, then give her more insulin. If it's not enough insulin because it's being restricted by the little piece of tubing that delivers it in, then do it. If if the the pump's been out in the heat and now the insulin's not as effective, so you need more to make it work, then in the end, the answer always is, I need more insulin. Right, and the reason is in the moment meaningless. And to think that you're going to, in that moment, go through all of these data points and make complete sense of this for the rest of your life is, is unreasonable. What I'll tell you is that over time, it will just all start making sense. So don't spend your time in this moment trying to figure out something that, that in that second, you don't have enough information to come up with an answer. Keep living, keep collecting data. Until one day it just all magically makes sense. And I haven't said this on the podcast in a while, but I'm going to go back to it. If you go at this diabetes thing with good intent long enough, at some point, just like in The Matrix, which is now probably such an old movie that no one's ever seen it. I'm old, so I've seen it. Everything slows down. 
and you have time to move out of the way of the bullet before it gets to. Like it really is, it really will slow down at some point. And, and you can't spend now beating yourself up about it to the point that by the time you get down that road and you would have had all this, this time in the simulator and this knowledge that you could have used that you've so beaten yourself up about it that it's all lost on you at that point. Does sure, that to, to, no, yeah, it all makes complete sense. Um, the living in the moment part, you know, fixing it in the moment. But at what point, you know, with your daughter, do you look at it and go, okay, there's been seven days of this or eight days of this. I think I need to make a basal change or I wouldn't change I, a ratio. Well, so I would say this, then that my answer to that <laughs> is I wouldn't go more than to make an actual change to a, a basal. I wouldn't let it go for six hours. I might not make a I might not make a static change. I might not go into her settings and say now from eight to nine it's this, right. but I might I might just temp I temp basal con- almost I mean a lot. You do it a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, but, to, but to make that constant change to the basal, you know, go in the settings and fix it. Would you look at okay six days? You know, at five a.m. all of a sudden her blood sugar just started going up. So we must be having a growth spurt or a, I don't know whatever happens at six a.m. Time to make a change. I see what you're saying. I definitely do. Um, what I can tell you is that this is where I'm not very helpful to people because. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you just have a really good memory, my, I think. <laughs> no, my brain doesn't work like that. Like, I, I wouldn't say, I can't look back and go, I know this has happened over and over again. It's just a vibe, it's a feeling. It's like, it's that idea where, like, hey, this has been going on too long. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'm done. Hey, I'm done with this. And, and I've shortened my. I've, I've, I think I've shortened my ability to, 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 to accept those high blood sugars enough that it hits me pretty quickly. I'm like, you know what? This has been two days of this. It's not the pump. It's not the insulin. She doesn't seem sick. Anything, all the myriad of reasons are out the window. She needs more insulin. It seems, oh my God, excuse me. I belched in a way that I'm pretty sure I'm going to edit that out later. Um, I'm, 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 and I really don't edit much at all, but People, if you hear like a gap of silence a second ago, I cut out a burp. <laughs> Excuse me. And so I, I just don't take, I won't accept those high blood sugars. And by that, I mean, when she needs more insulin, I give her more insulin. If it makes her low four hours from now, I will deal with that four hours from now. I just. So how often do you go in and, and change the settings in, like, in her pot? Like, her, uh, like across the board, PDM setting changes. Uh-huh. Um. A couple of times a year. Oh wow! So you just mess with the basal all the time, or her even her insulin to carb ratios. Like you know, if I bolus for something, you know that she's eaten before, and I don't get the same response out of it, and it happens again and again, then I just adjust her insulin to carb ratios. To say that there's some sort of formula for how I do that would be an actual lie. So I I just go in and I'm like, hmm, her blood sugar was this. She ate this. Her blood sugar went up 60 points higher than I thought it was going to. It took another, I don't know, unit to get it back to where it's supposed to be. So in my mind, that unit should have been in the initial bolus. So how do I need to change the insulin to carb ratio so that next time she has 50 carbs, there's an extra unit in it? So I use my, I use my kind of data from the past to make a decision about that. I don't say that, you know, cause a doctor will tell you, we'll move it 20% or move it 30%. Or we like to say that you should move it 8% or this, like that's just guessing. Right. Right. Like that's all just random guessing. Well, based on what I tell most of my patients, all whose A1Cs are nine and a half, um, you know, we move it 8%, we move it 10%. Well, does that really work? Eh, not really. Yeah. But it's, at least it's not too much. Yeah. Well, I don't want to move it too much either. And I'm not suggesting you should either. I'm suggesting that you know what happened. You bolused X amount of insulin. They ate this meal. Their blood sugar ended up at this high number. It took this much more insulin to bring it back down. Hence, that's the amount of insulin you needed somehow up front. Maybe it was split between basal and bolus. Maybe it was just bolus. That's for you to decide. But that's the answer. Right? 
I, yeah, I think you're the diabetes whisperer. Yeah, not really. <laughs> if, if, if I told you how I flunked out of eighth grade algebra, you would never listen to me because I just set up basically an algebraic formula about diabetes, right? If then this, that, that kind of stuff. And right. so, you know, take this in the parentheses and put it over here, but it's really not that it's let's, let's simplify it down to dummy terms. Which is why people love my podcast, because I sound like a moron when I'm talking. And so let, let's dumb it down, right? If your blood right. sugar goes up, you didn't have enough insulin. If you gave yourself more insulin and it went back to where it belonged, that's the total amount of insulin that that moment required. You need to add, right? right that's all. Just you, it, Now, what happened? You mistimed it. So if you put 10 units in for a meal, and they end up at 200, and you use two more units to get them back to where you wanted... Well, then the meal needed 12 units. You used the 12 units, and in the end, you got what you wanted. But had you timed the 12 units better, you never would have been up to 200. Right. That's it. Timing. It's simple. We've turned something. And now uh, uh, people are throwing their iPhones now. I don't mean it's simple like, hey, if you don't have it, it's simple. How do you not have it? It took me a really, really long time to come up with this. Like, this is not something I just sat down one day and said, Hey, my daughter has diabetes. You know what I think? I think this, 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 and this. I, it's why the podcast is important to me because, because we do this all the time online. We give people just enough information for that one moment. And then we put them into another problem later. No one ever just comes out and says, here's the collection of my thoughts. And that's why I think this is great. You know what I mean? Like I, I really do. I, I, I'm genuinely thrilled when I get emails from people and they're like, hey, our A1C went down two points. Like three months of listening to a podcast, our A1C went down two points. I feel so good about that, you know? Um, in the end, to paint a really flowery metaphor, you know, we're all walking down the same path and it's unlit. Some of us started before others. There is no reason why the people up ahead shouldn't turn back and yell down the path, hey, there's a you're about to come up on a hole in the road, walk to the left. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, like that's just sense. It's just, it's common sense. It, it's, right. it, you know, it, I used to say this thing all, when I was younger and I was philosophizing in my twenties, I would always say, and it's funny, it comes up with you. I would always say like, how many times does a 15 year old girl need to go on Maury Povich before 15 year old girls realize getting pregnant when you're 14 is not a great idea. <laughs> right. But, right. but the problem is, is that, it, and it's the problem and it's the beauty of humanity is we reset every time. Every time there's a new generation, we reset. We start over again. A baby comes out and don't know anything. And it's taught by the people who parent it. And they've forgotten things or didn't learn some things or learn more. The, you know, think one thing's more important than another. But in the end, you don't get this complete data. You don't start with this imperial, you know, a book of, of lessons to start with. It doesn't work that way. But... And that's how life works, and that's acceptable. It doesn't have to work that way for diabetes. But if you stop and look at it, it does. You sit down with an endocrinologist who's been an endocrinologist for 10 years. She's got a nurse practitioner who's been at it for three years. She's seen some things that work and some things that don't, but she hasn't really lived with it much. And she gives you this sort of scattered amount of information. And then you're supposed to weave it all together and turn yourself into a diabetes guru. And that's all well and good when I'm growing up and learning about the world and deciding if I want to be liberal or conservative or care about, you know, people's feelings or if I just want to be out for myself or anything. You have a whole life to figure those out. You do not have a whole life to figure out diabetes. You need no. to, you, you need, I want people to fast forward to the part where they go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. That's all. That's the whole goal of the podcast. If, if everybody in the world that has diabetes emails me and says they have it, I'll stop putting the podcast on. <laughs> Until then, uh, we're going to do this. I was going to say, good luck. Good luck with that goal. Well, it's a big goal. But, but you know, in the end, like, I do know that I hear back from endos sometimes. We're like, hey, I listen to the podcast, and that makes sense. And I don't know why I hold back that information from my patients. Or yeah. I didn't know that. Or, you know, it, it just, there's, it's no one's fault. And I hope I don't feel like I'm saying that. Yeah. It's the wild yeah. variability of being alive and having a, having this disease and man-made incident blah and all these other points right but but i just hope that i just hope that you get off the phone you're not on the phone but i hope you get off the podcast and you say you know what damn it i'm gonna do it and then just do it because really it's the only thing between you and that there's a next step you're right there like i've spoken to enough people 
like you to tell you that you are on the other side of a paper door. All you have to do is walk forward and you'll be on the other side of it. But honestly. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to remember to basil. Kent basil. Well, everything. Just boom. <laughs> Just keep the consistency of be bold, use the technology, um, you know, understand the limitations of the insulin. Uh, you know, when you figure them out, apply them. Don't accept high blood sugars. Be careful of the lows. Test when you're not sure. It's, right. That's it. It's pretty much it. You, Everything you know? you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. We can't say that because I believe that's uh, copyrighted. But um, <laughs> probably. Yeah. That, the, the guy with diabetes podcast rips off Nike. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll say do it. How about that? I think it's just this. Be bold. Like just be bold. And you know what, too? I, I mean, we're coming up on an hour, and I've talked way more in this one than I intended to, and I apologize <laughs> for that. But I haven't done this in a few weeks, so I get a little... Uh, You're good. Yeah, 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 I get a little... Well, you know, I talk too much. But um, I, I heard from somebody recently who said, I'm with it. I've been bold with insulin. This is an adult, not a parent. And, but they had a low, like a scary low from it. And, and I said, are you going to be able to keep going? And they're like, I'm figuring it out right now. And that's a different world. When you're, a, when you're a, an adult living alone, it's different. You, you know what I mean? Like it is, it's different. Like, can I be that aggressive if there's no one here to be my backup? And I don't know the answer to that. And I think maybe the answer is it's more difficult um, or no, or I don't know. It's not, it's not my situation, but I get that that's the situation. But when you're in this, in this space where you're the caregiver of somebody with type one, what my hope is, is that this aggressive nature will carry you through to when the technology can now make these decisions for you. And I do think that's coming. I mean, probably sooner than later, but, you know, the idea of artificial pancreas, a, you know, an Omnipod and a Dexcom CGM working in, in Congress with each other to keep your blood sugar from getting too high or too low. It seems to me from everything I've seen so far that that's a very real, um, not, not a long off idea. You know, so until then, let's 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 not accept like poor health. You, you know what I mean? Like let's do our best not to accept it. If it happens, like you said, you dust off and you keep going. But you don't you don't have to sit and stare at a three hundred blood sugar and just say, "Well, I don't know what to do." My my endo said to wait three hours and bolus and test again. Like I don't know what that means. You know, that's I'm. Actually, that was one of the things I was going to ask because when I just went to the endocrinologist last week, you know, and they pulled up on my data mm -hmm. and they're looking at it and they said, uh, why did you correct after it had only been an hour and a half since your last correction? Because I'm trying to be bold with insulin. We were stuck at 312. I remember the exact number. And in an hour and a half, we had not moved. So it makes sense to me to give her more insulin, but I got a little lecture on that while did I was say, there. Why do you think? <laughs> I just said, you know, the insulin was stuck at 300. It hadn't moved. Why would I wait another hour and a half for right. that blood sugar to come down? But she gave me a little lecture. But I, I did ignore it. I just ignored her. Oh, we can't say outright that it's okay to ignore medical advice, but I think you did a great thing there. And yeah. so, yeah, I listen. I ignored her for the situation that we were in because I knew what I did was right. And I think that that's where, where I have... I mean, I love our endocrinologist and I love the diabetes educator, but they just look at the data that's printed in front of them. And I can remember the exact situation. Right. Right. And I tell, you know, they, they looked at one morning, it had been my husband who had done it. And they said, well, why did he give her a unit and a half? He should have only given her a half unit. And I said, well, because she'd been high all night long and it hadn't moved. Yeah, if we follow what you're saying, um, we might as well just give up now. But thank you. And, and it, it just, listen, they're not there. Yeah. Does your endo have diabetes? Uh, she does not. One of the diabetes educators that we meet with does, but the other two I've met with. Do you think the and educator would have told you why do you why did you bolus again? Probably not. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, this is actually the first time anybody has ever really questioned what we have done, but mm -hmm. I have gotten a lot bolder with insulin in the last little bit because I'm tired of the highs, and she's tired of them. She doesn't feel good when she's high. No, listen, you have to be cautious and careful. You right. know, I mean, I could, it's not my job to put a disclaimer everywhere. Insulin's dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but it's also the situation you're in. So, 
I mean, you need, I think you need to make the better of it. Not maybe you'll never make the best of it. It's not that easy, but, but you can't just, it's just a strange idea. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I got my foot caught in a bear trap, but the guy said he's going to be in here in five minutes to take the bear trap off. It's been an hour, but I mean, you know, he said he's coming, but just, you know, like, I don't know what you, what are you saying? Take the trap off yourself, reach down and grab it and pull it off yourself. Like why, why? Because it might snap back and cut your finger off too. It's already cutting off your foot. Like, like, like you know, we're, we're acting like there's, everything's perfect. And you know, it just doesn't work like this. It, it really doesn't. It, I wish it did. I wish that diabetes was something that someone could give you static information about that would always make sense. I wish it was, you have high blood pressure, take this pill in the morning. That'd right. Be, and be, you know, when I, when I left the hospital, when my daughter was diagnosed, that's what I thought. I thought, okay, the ratios are this, the basil's this, we got it. This is easy. Not a problem. But, yeah. I woke up from that dream world in about 24 hours. Yeah. All right. So keep, stay awake and, uh, and keep going. I really should ask you if there's anything else you want to say since I spoke over most of your time. <laughs> no, I, I think we covered it all. Excellent. I don't really, blame everything on puberty. That's yeah, what I don't about. blame puberty. <laughs> You've got your title right there. Yeah, I might. I might go with that. That's not bad. Because the other idea was it took me seven months to get Kelly on oh. the podcast. <laughs> we could go with that, too. I know. And I'm just a stay-at-home mom with nothing to do. But, yeah, I'm kind of busy. There were so many moments where we like, oh, we can't do it here. We can't do it there. We can't do it. I'm having shoulder surgery. This happened in my life. That I was like, this woman, by the time she gets on, don't get a cure diabetes. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. Darn it. We should have waited. We should have waited. All right. Well, listen, the moment they cure it, I'll have you back on. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really genuinely appreciate it. Yes, thank you. This episode ended up being so amazing. I can't believe it took this much time to put on seven months of trying to get Kelly on the podcast. Then I recorded it and I sat on it for six more months before I put it out. I feel, I feel bad, but there was other stuff that had to go up first. If you're enjoying the juice box podcast, please tell a friend the most valuable thing you can do to help the show. Tell a friend, show them how to get a podcast, show them how to subscribe. Now, beyond that, if you're really feeling good about the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the show. But I just can't say enough about how difficult it is for some people to find podcasts. So if you can share on social media, hey, I was listening to the Juicebox podcast today with a link. You can link to juiceboxpodcast.com or you can link back to iTunes or link back to Google Play or wherever you're listening. That would be monumentally helpful, and I would really genuinely appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dexcom and Omnipod, for sponsoring the show. You can go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about Dexcom and their CGM. And you can go to MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about the world's only tubeless insulin pump. One last thing. I try very hard to respond to everybody's emails and notes on Facebook and Twitter and everything, and I think I get you all, but in case I don't, I just want to tell you how much I genuinely appreciate hearing about your successes, uh, your good feelings about the podcast. All that stuff means the world to me. Please keep sending those notes. I really do enjoy getting them. All right. We'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. I hope you guys are having a great summer.